0: Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Good morning, Awake family. Today, what I had planned to talk about was wisdom and um, I just want to share, like, you we all receive wisdom in so many different ways, right? We read the word, we have our quiet time, we listen to podcasts, but also we have prophetic voices that get words that, and some, you know, we want to receive those from people that we trust, and many of us here um, would trust Bill Johnson, and if you're new to Bill Johnson, he is a pastor of a church in Redding, California, and he is a person of strong faith and a father in the faith, and he had a word for 2022 that I just want to share for all of us to receive. That sound good? Okay, so his word is taken from 1 Samuel 30. Now, you might know 1 Samuel 30, but I did not. So I did the homework, and I read the story for you, so I'm going to just retell it in just a a nutshell. In 1 Samuel 30, Uh, David and 400 men are running from Saul and they have come to a common name city called Ziklag, okay? And they're in Ziklag with their families and um, then the men go out to war and the women and children are left behind and uh, the Malachites come, take all the women and children and they plunder all of their belongings and then they burn the city down. And so when the men come back, They come back to nothingness, and uh, they want to stone David. And David, you know, connects with the Lord, and he says, go after what's yours. Get it back. And so David and 400 men, they go, and they're going to go to the Amalekites. They've already been fighting, right, exhausted. They're going to go to the Amalekites and get back what's theirs, right? And so on the way, it says that 200 of the men are too exhausted, and they stay behind. And then 200 men move forward. They meet an Egyptian man who's a servant of one of the Amalekites, and he tells them where to go. And so then they go, and they fight for two days, and they defeat them, and they get back women and children, their own stuff, and then all the Amalekites' stuff. So I'm just going to read what Bill Johnson's prophetic word is, according to that story is what he is basing this on. He said, David lost everything but recovered all and more. That will be us in 2022. Pursue what has been lost. Have a heart of hope. We will not fail. God restores to a place greater than before the fall. For every earthly dilemma, God has an answer. Take the posture of hearing from God about your recovery of what has been lost. And his prayer was that we would have clarity of heart and mind. We would follow him in faith and be in the presence of God. And that we would receive the gift of courage and hope for his honor and for our own. And I just think that's a fabulous word. For all that's been lost, we would receive back and more. And many other places in the Bible confirm that that is God how, how God works things. And so um, I was talking to Matt last night and I said, honey, I know that you... You know, don't love to run. He says, I never run unless someone's chasing me. And he plays basketball, he lifts weights, and I said, But this is serious. Like, if you were one of those guys that stayed back and didn't go all the way to come get me, we would have some problems. Like if if just Chuck Harris showed up and all these other guys, and I was like, All right, kids, get on the camel. Dad didn't make it. He just loves to play bad. But he didn't think that was that funny when I said it to him. (laughs) He would definitely go all the way, right, Matt? You would? Yeah. Tell your wives right now, you would go all that way for them. Look them in the eyes. Convince them. Okay, not much convincing going on. Okay. All right. So in Proverbs, first I'm going to start off with establishing what God says um, the value of wisdom is. Okay, and he he says in Proverbs 3.13, that blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding, for she is more precious than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire compares to her. So Proverbs 3.21 says, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. And if any of you know my son, Josiah, he's my firstborn, he was born an adult, and When I would leave my other four kids with them, I would say, do not let them out of your sight. Have you said that to people before? Don't let them out of your sight. And it's because you value something. It's precious. And that's what God tells us to do with wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, the beginning of the wisdom is, beginning of wisdom is, to get wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding And so I just want to ask you to think about in your own life right now, what price have you paid for this valuable thing called wisdom, right? For something's valuable, you pay a price for it. So I was just reflecting on my own life of things that I have done, and you have too, is my guess. You've read your Bible and studied it, so you can get the word inside there, so you have wisdom. You've had quiet times. You've prayed. You've gone through nights praying. You've fasted. You've listened to podcasts. You've worshiped. You've done all these things to get wisdom inside of you, because not only does wisdom cost something from you, but then when you apply it to life, like you know you have wisdom, then you're going to apply it to your life and live it out, then that's when the real cost comes. How many of you know that? For sure. And so um, I thought of a few times when wisdom has really cost me some things, and that would be that... Um, I don't know, in college, maybe you had the same thing. If you were a believer, I would have daytime friends, but those weren't my nighttime friends because I wasn't invited to go out with them because you know I wasn't doing some of the same things they were doing. That was a price. Not that I wanted to, but those were some lonely nights. And how about the awkward, seemingly unnecessary moments? Like when you're like, I'm supposed to share the gospel with this person right now. Is this really that important? And it is. And for me, it often feels awkward. It often feels like, is this really required or necessary at this moment? Um, I remember in 1993, I went to a trip to Jerusalem and I invited, I put all my pictures together on a slideshow and invited my family over. I thought, oh, you know what? This would be the perfect opportunity to share the Lord with my family. And I was so excited because I received the gospel with great joy. Like, I was like, wow, I did not know this when I was 21 years old. Someone shared it for the first time. But it didn't go that way with my family. So I did the slideshow and I said, you know what, I'm just feeling like I'd love to share with you all just the gospel that I have heard, you know, four years ago. And my aunt and uncle got up in the middle of it, and they said, if this was what this was all about, we are out of here, and we don't appreciate you doing this to us. I thought, that did not go how I thought it was going to go. But it's a cost that we pay to share the good news, and some will receive, right? We don't know whose hearts are ready and who the Holy Spirit is drawing, and and some will not, and you will see that, and you'll be like, wow, was that really um, rude that I did that, or... And so then that's the cost as well. You go through all those things in your mind. How many of you have done this before? Like, sometimes I think, oh, I watered myself down too much so I could be drinkable. And then other times I think, oh, that was way too much to share. Rarely do I feel like that was just right. You know? And so there's that price that you pay for sharing that. And so like even like I sent out uh, a Christmas letter to some of my family and friends that I just like, I want to share the gospel with them. I'm going to be bold, you know? And so I shared the gospel, and then I shared with them. You know, the first time I ever tried sushi um, was at a homeschool event. That's not the best place to try sushi. And we, um, I never had had it before, and we were studying Japan, and so we lowered the table, and the kids all came around. And this family, I said, I've never had sushi. And this family's like, we'll bring all this stuff. And they brought starfish tuna, and they bought celery, And how many of you ever had sushi? Starfish tuna? Come on, people. That is disgusting. And then we wrapped it in in rice, and we ate it. And I said to Matt, this is like cat food. It tastes terrible. And so I never tried sushi again because I thought, this is disgusting. And so one time, a friend took me out for sushi, and she's like, just try it. I was like, "Okay." And it was my absolute favorite food. I loved it. And that's how I think about, People's experience with the Lord, like if you've not really experienced him, if you've experienced religion or if you've experienced a God that's mad at you or someone that can never be pleased, that's the starfish tuna. That is not the real thing. The real thing keeps you coming back for more. It's really your favorite. And so I shared that in my Christmas letter too, just like you might be just pushing this aside and be like, I've already tried that. But if you're not going for it with God, you really have not tried it. And the gospel is really simple. I didn't hear it until I was 21 years old, and so I don't want to assume that everybody has heard it because the gospel requires a response, right? And the gospel is beautiful. The gospel is this, is that God is a holy God. And on earth, we have crimes that people commit, and that makes them a criminal. In the heavenly realm, when we sin, That makes us a criminal in the heavenly realm. It might not be a crime here on earth, right? I'm not going to be arrested for lying or cheating or stealing. But in heaven, there's a different standard. And God, and that would be separation from God if you commit one crime. And everyone has. And God could not stand that. And so here's what the gospel is. Because we had this dire situation that we needed someone to solve this problem for us, that we'd committed a crime and that separation from God. He sent his perfect son. He did it. He lived the perfect life. He died the criminal's death in our place. And all of us at some point in our life need to have a response that says, God, I in faith receive what you did for me by dying my criminal's death in my place. And I in return, in faith, receive that gift, give my life to be lived for you. And if you pray that prayer, You are a born-again Christian. Don't don't be afraid of born-again. Born-again means, like, I'm not the same person I used to be. Remember, the enemy's always trying to make something awkward and strange. There's nothing strange about this. It is the most beautiful story of all. So if you've prayed that prayer today in faith, you are now part of the family of God. And I bless you in that. Okay, um... Okay, Proverbs 1 says, here's what wisdom does. And we're going to go into what wisdom is in a moment. It empowers you to reign in life. We're to reign. He's the king of kings. We're the kings. He's the king of the kings. We're royalty. And so he gives us power to reign in life. He imparts spiritual understandings with wisdom. Sometimes, do you not know what to do, right? That's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom gives us discipline to demonstrate wisdom in situations, relationships. Wisdom gives us the ability to teach immature and make them wise. I am sometimes that immature. Don't think of children. This is all of us. Um, us, Wisdom gives us the ability to give youth the understanding for their design and destiny And it gives us strategy for leadership. That's all in Proverbs 1. If you want to go back and read that today, that was a lot to take in. But the promises of Proverbs are great. Um, Let's go to Proverbs 9.10. Do we have one? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom all other types of learning that don't have God at the center. They have value, but they are less than when God gives you wisdom. Fear can mean terror, and that's not what's meant in this uh, verse. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, fear. This kind of fear is like on how an employee would feel with the employer. This is my boss. This is the one who I am submitting to. It's that kind of fear. It's also the fear that is I have respect because I'm in the presence of someone great, which is God, the greatest of all. So I have this respect. That's what that kind of fear. And when we are like that, we don't throw God's name around. When we we have honor and respect for him, that is the beginning of wisdom because you've put him in his proper place. When I was in college, I woke up one morning, and our whole campus was decorated in red, white, and blue. We didn't know what was going on. We got little notes under that said George, not George Bush, I'm not that young, um, George H. Bush had come to our campus, and we could all go see him that day. And so my friend Liz and I, we were a little bit crazy, and we got, it was packed out already, so we just kind of were like, excuse me, excuse me, and we got all the way to the way front And afterwards, we got to meet George H. Bush. And there is no way I was going to say to him, what's up? You know, I don't talk like that anyhow. But (laughs) I, you had so much respect for this man, you know, and um, not to the level of God, of course. But I mean, that is just an example. You know what that feels like when you're in the presence of greatness here on earth and how much more in heaven. That is what God says. That fear, that honor, that respect is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, and here's the if we can just simmer in this just for one minute. Okay, fear of the Lord. This is from Got Questions. Have you discovered this website, Got Questions? It is a good one. I, I can recommend that one. Got Questions says the fear of the Lord can be defined as the continual awareness that our loving Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating everything we think, say, and do. But let's let's pull out the, the words in here. Our loving Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating, evaluating everything we think, say, and do. That means to me, if he's watching, I am never alone. He's always with me. He's watching over me. The other part that says, he... Uh, is evaluating everything I think, say, and do. That could be frightening, right? But if he's a loving father, here's what that means to me. He knows the reason I do the things I do. So he knows exactly how to help me not do those things I shouldn't be doing. Okay, so he knows the root of all of it. So when I am lying, he's like, hmm, she has fear of man, and she doesn't want to hurt that person's feelings. Let me help her with that. You know, like, he knows the root of everything you do, and he is going to bring discipline because you're a child of his, bring correction or healing, whatever you need, to bring you back to a place of oneness with him and and wholeness. So I just, that meant a lot to me. I love that a lot. Okay, how are we doing? Okay, I'm going to talk to you about, the first time I had ever had a job. I, okay, so I went to college to be an educator. And so my first job was second grade. Those are the cutest little people that you've ever seen in this class. Fresta Valley Christian School. <laughs> it's, sounds, it's as sweet as it sounds. And I had 20 little cuties in my class, and, but I put 21 desks out. And, um, I said to the students, you guys think that there's an extra de- desk in here an accident, but I did it on purpose because I personally want to invite Jesus to be in our classroom because I want him here with us with everything that goes in day in and day out. And plus also, I want to do my best job for him. So when I when I see that desk it's a reminder to me that he is here with us. I've invited him here and I'm accountable to him and I said I want to invite you all. This is going to sound like blackmail. It really was not in my heart to blackmail these people. <laughs> I want you if I want to invite you to do the same thing. Jesus is in our classroom and so I want you to treat your friends like Jesus is in our classroom. I want you to do your best and I I feel like that was really a wonderful thing and it was true in my heart. I moved on two years from second grade, then I moved to middle school. I was like, I'd love to try middle school. And so middle school is a whole new animal, people. And so I had this sixth grade class with 28 students, 28 students. And I was responsible for sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade science. I hardly passed science. And so I was like, Lord, okay, this is, I'm up for the challenge. I was still single, so that was a good thing. So this could be my whole life, and it was. And How many teachers in here? It could take over your whole world. Yes. Bless you. This is an important job. Okay, so I, um, with all my heart, I wanted to do my job for the Lord. And I'm not kidding you when I say every night I was there till 9 o'clock because I was grading papers from the day. Then I was studying, which I didn't have to do in second grade, studying. And then I was preparing my lessons, and I wasn't getting out of there until 9 o'clock every night. And one day, I was like, I kept saying, unto you, Lord. But it was so much. It was so much. And so one day, the principal came in. It was like 8 o'clock or something. And he took all my papers I hadn't graded yet, and he threw them in the trash. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I want you to go home. And I said, I am not even close to done. He said, I want you to go home. And so he said, I want you to figure out a way that you are not grading every student's paper and writing little comments on them, and that you are going so in depth and making sure, sh- I want you to figure out how to do your job in less hours. Now, that was wisdom. OK, that was wisdom. And maybe that's a word for some of you teachers out there who are living your whole life in this job, which is beautiful. Beautiful, but it can take over every piece of you. And um, it got me thinking about when I was learning about this, knowledge, okay, in the Bible, knowledge is information. Very important. Right? When we read our Bible, we're getting information, knowledge. Okay, knowledge has its limits. Knowledge then goes to understanding. Understanding means now I've experienced some things, and I have the knowledge, but now I know how this thing really works. I have some experience right? And then it goes to wisdom, what to do with all of that. So in college, I learned how to be a teacher. I was like, I am ready for this. This sounds amazing. And then you get in there and you're like, this is nothing like that. Or it's some things are like it, but you have to learn how to manage it. And then wisdom is knowing how to do it, right? And so that's what we want. That's the the highest is wisdom and from the Lord is the best. Okay. So what are some, okay, can I just tell you one thing that's really exciting to me? I learned that John Maxwell I learned this recently, has 80,000 middle school students doing a course he has made on values in South Carolina public school system. He made a connection there. If you know John Maxwell, he is a, maybe he goes by John C. Maxwell. He is uh, a strong man of faith, and he has somehow got in the South Carolina school systems. I just found that so exciting. Okay, and so we bless that. Okay, um, main themes of of Proverbs. As you know, uh, it talks about the adulterous woman a lot, a lot in Proverbs. It talks about staying away from the adulterous woman, the danger of her, and I would, I don't mean to add to Proverbs, but also for women it would be stay away from the flirtatious man or the flattering man, okay? And so um, I feel like that spirit, right, that spirit can be in not just a married person, but it could be in a single person, And God knows all the reasons why women would need extra attention like that or have something fulfilled like that. But I have five sons, and I just had them repeat after me until they got into high school that girls are evil. Just girls are evil, girls are evil, (laughs) girls are evil. But then when they got to be about 17, that 16, that wasn't working anymore, so I had to add more to that. And so I just added, like, okay, let's learn about what we're looking for in a woman, Right, because I know this is inevitable, that this is coming. And so um, I just speak to all the young women out there and to the mamas. I bless you. I never had a daughter, but I know that there must be a lot to that. But that young women, I want to encourage you that the way that you dress is either blessing your brother and helping him live pure or not. And so just take that to your heart. It's not condemning or anything, but I know that fashion has you going a certain way, but you belong to the Lord. And so if you can look in the mirror and say, would this cause someone to stumble or or not cause my brother to live as well as he could? Maybe I shouldn't be wearing that. And for young men, girls' hearts are so tender and women's hearts as well. You want to make sure that your speech is void of flattery and compliments and things that just go over the line. And Proverbs is full of that, just advice of that. This is for now, and this is for future generations. The, the decisions we make right now for purity, for pure, to fight for our marriage, fight for our kids, is not just for this family, although it mainly is. It's for my great-great-great-grandkids that I will never meet, Right? We, we are, are living for that as well. So let's make decisions unto the Lord that are causing others to live their best Christian life. That would be just my encouragement. No condemnation, just encouragement because the world's pushing us in the other direction. But we're not going that way. Um, okay. Um, can we put up Proverbs 6, 16 through 20? And I really, this just speaks for itself so we'll just read over these and just let these simmer deep into our hearts. There are six things. I'm sorry, it says there are six evils. God truly hates, and seven, that he, that is an abomination to him. Putting others down while considering yourself superior. That is a common thing in our world right now. When you think of media, social media. But let's take it to ourselves, too and and uproot those things from ourselves. Spreading lies and rumors. Spilling the blood of the innocent. Okay? Six evils God truly hates. Plotting evil in your heart toward another. Gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. Spouting lies and false testimony. Stirring up strife between friends. These are entirely despicable to God. And then, just in case my kids are here, I added, my son, obey your father's godly instruction and follow your mother's God-giving teaching, life-giving teachings. All right. Proverbs also addresses the fool. And I heard someone say one time, when you read Proverbs, see what what it says about a fool and make sure you're not one. So that's how I was reading that. It says, I I didn't give you a scripture for this one, but I'll just read out loud. It says, this feels kind of harsh too. Guide a horse with a whip, direct a donkey with a bridle, and lead the rebellious fool. There's different kind of fools, right? Rebellious fool with a beating on his back. And then this is the advice for all of us. Don't respond to a fool with foolish words. And I wrote, in the same spirit that they are speaking to you in. And, or you will become like them. If you are asked a question by a fool, answer him with words of wisdom so he will not think he's clever. And I'm just going to give an example of this. You all have your own. You've, you've lived too long to not have your own examples. Um, but one time I was in a car with someone. It was the sister and my friend and me and a few other girls. And the don't think bad of me, but if I knew this sister was coming, I wouldn't have come. Because the foolishness that is there to love to argue with people is not enjoyable to me. Possibly, you know, people who just love to argue, and it's not my thing. I don't enjoy it. It's foolishness. And so my friend asked me, her sister was driving, my friend said, how is our friend Ellie? Is she eating now? And I said, she's eating, but I'm concerned because she's not eating good things. Like, She loves chips and candy, and she needs to be eating, like, things that are helping her get her strength back. Her sister said, who are you to call to decide what foods are good for you and not? I said, what? And she said, well, God calls all food clean. I was like, oh, that's just why. This is not going to be fun. And I said, so do you think that Eating candy bars every day would be just as healthy as eating a salad and fruits and vegetables and good meats. She said, according to the Bible. And I, y'all, this is the holiest moment. I said, I have no words. And I was done. And I don't think I knew the scripture, but I knew the situation. Like, I am not getting into this because this is so foolish. But this is biblical, what I did. Do not answer a fool according to their foolishness. And so... But I would say about my kids, my kids fought me on wearing a bike helmet. And so it's foolishness, right? That they would want to ride their bikes. We had hills all in our neighborhood and I said, it's not happening. You're not riding your bike if you're not wearing a helmet. Now that's answering foolish a foolish question. That's different. And there's different responsibility there as well. So, um, and I'm gonna share to kind of close here. Uh, a final um, concern I have for this generation, and how many parents do we have in here or grandparents? I'm Sure we have a lot, parents and grandparents. Okay, so this generation as you know is very different than my generation, your generation, this generation. What I would say is when I was growing up I had all kinds of external boundaries that were keeping me on the course, right? My parents believed the same thing that my next door neighbor did or similar, the lady down the street and my school teacher, and they were all teaching me the same kinds of things, right? No longer the case, right? I could watch the Cosby show Thursday nights at 8 p.m., and I never had one thought that something nasty was gonna happen on that show. It was just good family morals, clean, funny, that wasn't even a thought. You know, I'm sure that I was watching other shows like Happy Days, and I was like, I don't think I get what they're talking about. But um, there wasn't the nasty that there is now. And we didn't have, the biggest concern that I have is devices, where really, if I could be honest, I have no idea what my children have seen on those phones or those computers. But it's the world we live in, right? We were born for this time. We weren't, I wasn't born to be a parent back then. And so um, since these externals aren't there as strong as they used to be, children more and more and younger and younger are having to learn from their internal. They're having to live from this place, which probably I was an adult by the time I had to live from this internal place. And a lot, a lot of them aren't ready for that. So if I could call the community together of our family that we need to help children with these external boundaries as much as we can and make sure that we know as much as we can what they're looking at, what they're viewing, who their friends are, who's talking in their ear, what are they learning at school, okay? Because this is just where we are in life. Those externals aren't there anymore. We're not supposed to be afraid. But this is a new world we live in. And so as... The children's pastor here at church, if I could just totally encourage you to love on kids, get into their world a little bit, ask kids how they're doing, and make them feel loved and belong that they belong, but also for your own kids and grandkids, know their world because they need you to help them, guide them through this place where they're trying to live from internal. You know, I was saying to Matt, you know, if you wanted to go for the nasty when you were... Uh, In my generation, you had to go get it. You had to go to a store and buy something, or you had to have an effort. Now you're just watching a show. It comes to you, okay? And you are like, whoa, I didn't want that, okay? And so the wisdom to know when to turn off, when to not feel condemned that you saw something that you weren't going after, right? Kids don't know these things. You think they would know, like, I didn't mean that. Maybe they don't know that. (laughs) So we need to help guide them more than ever because we are those boundaries that, really don't exist anymore. This is the world we're in, and it's okay. When the darkness gets darker, the light gets lighter, and it's beautiful to have these relationships with your kids. And so that's just my encouragement, things you already know. Um, and I have time for one more, babe. Okay. Uh, um, my second closing. <sighs> It's something I want to pray for, for all of us. I feel like as uh, adults, two of the biggest struggles I think we face is that I feel God wants to really help us with, and I'm growing in this for sure. Wisdom is something you grow in. And I think the first struggle is to know our calling because we all want to be right in the center of what God made us for, what our giftings are, what our desires are, what we're wired for, right? We want to be right in the middle of that, right? Yeah, Me too. And so I think the, I think we can get stuck in that if we overthink it, right? But my encouragement of what I've learned is that we want to just go and be, be trusting and full of faith that, that God put those things in our heart, desires, the things I desire, the things I'm good at are different than other people. So I'm going to follow those things and walk, and God can steer me as I go, right? How many of you are doing that? Just like, I'm just going with what. I'm being let as much as I've been given to go in. And then God can steer you, turn around, nope, you're on the wrong path, but just go with, trust the desires and the giftings that you've been given. And that is part of your calling. The second thing is that, uh, a struggle that I think many of us have is you have a desire and a calling in your heart and it doesn't make money. And so what do we do with that? Like uh, this thing I would love to go full force in, but you know, You've got kids, you've got life, you've got, so <clears throat> the wisdom to know God, am I supposed to trust you, leave all and go? Or will you give me the strength that while I'm working this job, I'm going to have enough to do this thing that you've put in my heart? Because ultimately, the job you're doing is your calling right now. Okay, whatever you do, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, love people in your job that you're in. That's your calling. But you know that desire you have like, oh, I would, really, I could really see myself doing this thing. So I want to pray us out right now that we would have the wisdom to know, God, show us how to maneuver that thing. You put it inside of us, now how do we live it out? All right, let's just pray together. Lord, thank you for wisdom. Thank you that you give wisdom. You say you'll give it freely if we ask. And Lord, we do ask for wisdom. We ask for wisdom to be right in the center of what you've created us for, God. I pray that you would put thoughts and ideas in our minds. I pray that you would open up doors, Lord. I pray that you would have us meet the people that we're supposed to meet. But God, I also pray that right now and what we're doing right now, we'd be totally, completely intent and satisfied and doing it with all of our heart if it's not something that we feel is our complete calling. Lord, we unto you live our life fully to love other people and love you. And God, I ask you to open doors and guide us and lead us and give us peace in the journey. And thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.